0: Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest in sports news, fantasy analysis, and opinions. Don't forget the hot takes. Can't have a sports show without hot takes these days. What about hot cakes, though? Mm, I want some hot cakes. Now, here's your host, ready to jump into the thick of things, Dwayne Callender. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. We're going to get right down to it. It is Christmas Eve, so happy holidays, everyone. Uh Basically, we had a very eventful NFL weekend with quite a few twists and turns. Uh, some expected, some not so expected. Uh, a number of busts happened in the fantasy uh, football uh, finals with certain players. Uh, we had some role reversals at, at certain, certain moments. So let's get, just get right down to it. So, uh, to recap uh, the action from Saturday uh you had Tennessee barely survive against Washington. Uh the final score was not indicative of how uh tight the game was. Washington was actually ahead throughout. Uh Tennessee pulled ahead late uh to be up uh, uh by a couple of points. So it was uh it ended up being a case where um Tennessee grabs the lead late uh and then uh, Washington Uh, ends up giving up a pick six on a Hail Mary at the final seconds. So the final score ended up being 25-16, but Washington was ahead throughout the entirety of the game for the most part. Uh, And, you know, again, for those of you who lost because of Tennessee getting a pick six uh, to end the game, I mean, you know, uh, the Titans defense scoring 13 points, you know, these things happen. I I mean... I could say it's a bad beat, but I mean, again, you had a Titans defense playing Josh Johnson, who was a career journeyman. So, I mean, number of things could have gone either way. Uh, Marcus Mariota, uh, surprise, surprise, got hurt again, um, and is now uh, highly doubtful to be playing next Sunday night uh, because the NFL flexed, and we'll get to that in a bit. But the uh, the Colts beat the Giants, so. Technically, uh, next Sunday night, we've got a matchup between the Colts and Titans. Winner gets into the playoffs uh, 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 for reasons we'll illustrate uh, what happened uh, in some of the other games. But, uh, you know, uh, Washington is a complete mess. Uh, DJ Swearinger, uh, (laughs) I mean, just in a moment of absolute rage. Uh, Because even post-game... You know, guys calm down a little bit. DJ Swearinger wasn't having it. DJ Swearinger basically went all in on uh, uh, Redskins defensive coordinator Greg Minuski for his play calling after uh, Marcus Mariota got hurt and Blaine Gabbert came into the game. Uh, Swearinger just went all in on Minuski for calling way too much man-to-man coverage. I actually agree with Swearinger here. I mean, the fact that Blaine Gabbert, you know, you got a, a quarterback hat that has not seen a ton of action over the last couple of years, who's not very good, who struggles reading zone coverages, why the Redskins made it easier for him to actually spot certain receivers really didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So I get Swearinger's frustration because to me, if you actually understand, you know, your opponent... The the play was to actually play zone uh, like th- there was a lot of man coverage uh, being played. Now the the issue is that Swearinger literally just ripped his defensive coordinator or new one in front of the media. You 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 can't be that public in terms of uh, what's uh, what's going on. Um, you know, it, it it just it wasn't a good look. So. Uh, the Redskins ended up releasing Swearinger today, uh, despite the fact that it would have made far more sense to just, uh, you know, de- uh, like just to deactivate him for the rest of the year. It's only one more game uh, and then trade him in the offseason. That, that w- like Swearinger only has one more year on his deal. They could have actually gotten a draft pick for him. It, you know, it, it's one of those things where organizations do something petty uh, and cut their nose to spite their face. Because, you know, again, Swearinger, uh, you know, it, it, it's just it's just something that, you know, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, again, Swearinger, you can't actually say that, um, uh, you, you can't say some of those things that he said. But, uh, so here's here's exactly what Swearinger said, uh, because, uh, you know, earlier today he gets released, and he goes on... I mean, he has his regularly scheduled appearance on local Washington radio, so he's on one hundred six uh, one hundred six point seven. The fan and he, <laughs> I mean, this is uh, this is uh, this is uh, quite a bit of a, so here, here's a um, describing how uh, head coach Jay Gruden cut him. He just said that it was the third time that I've been in his office, and we're going to release you, Swearinger said, and that was that. I don't have words for this. I had a Pro Bowl year. I was a captain in year one. And this year, I thought I improved on everything. And I did. And a slap in the face and get released. I gave it my all. and put my heart into it every single week to the best I could. I guess it says a lot about the organization. And to be fair, Swearinger has a point. Swearinger was named as an alternate to the Pro Bowl. You know... You know, getting cut like this, you know, it's comical because, again, Swearinger should be signed immediately by the Chiefs and the Saints. It'd be inexcusable for either of those teams to pass on him, knowing that they desperately need help in the secondary. You got a Pro Bowl safety that's on the market a week before the playoffs. Yeah, it's hard to get him to acclimate to know all the defensive schemes, but you don't pass up on talent like that, especially when you got scrubs in your secondary to begin with. The Chiefs especially, because it happened again last night that, you know, it, the, the the Chiefs got uh, torched by Russell Wilson and the Seahawks on deep passes. Like, Swearinger can help them there's no question about it that uh you know it, it, it's it's a it's a case that um it's a case that you know Washington felt the need to be petty instead of just doing a strategic move of deactivating him and trading him in the offseason. now like he's available to any team off of waivers you know it, it it's to me it, it it's it's a no-brainer that you pick him up if you're a team that's aiming to go to the Super Bowl and you've got a weak secondary, talking to Rams, talking to Saints, talking to Chiefs, this is a no-brainer. No-brainer whatsoever that you pick him up. Like, you know, people can say what they want about uh, locker room uh, uh, issues. It, you know, it only makes sense to bring in a guy like this that, again, knows multiple systems, it has been a veteran in the league for a while, you know he would absolutely be able to make a difference on uh, NFL rosters heading into the playoffs. No brainer whatsoever. So uh, there's that. Uh, but uh, it, it's a uh, it's it's a very it's a very telling sign. But uh, anyway, let's get back to it because uh, we got a, a bunch of games to be covering as to what uh, went on uh, uh, this weekend. All right, so getting back to it, the nightcap Saturday night, I saw the Ravens pull off the upset against the Chargers. And remember what I said, the like, Phillip Rivers has these games where, and I always, like, you know, I always say this, because, like, people, like, argue with me on the Rivers-Manning-Big Ben debate. And I always say this. Big Ben is unquestionably the most talented of the three, but there's no way Big Ben could ever function in a major market because of his personal issues uh, uh, you know that were well documented and almost ended his career in, uh, in Pittsburgh uh, you know his tendency to throw people under the bus it's just it, it just wouldn't work in a major market not to disparage Pittsburgh's media market but it it it, it definitely is not a major media, mar- media market let's just be clear about that Eli, again, doesn't have the win-loss record, but there's certain there's just certain things about Eli that it's always even keel so that if the team is horrible around him, like, yes, Eli's going to look bad. If the team's playing marginally well, Eli can elevate them, but he can't save a sinking ship. Like, the things that i see out of philip rivers is that when it's going good it is it is absolutely great philip rivers can do no wrong it, it, it's absolutely smoking. you're like wow how, how is this guy not talked about more in terms of being an all-time great the issue that happens with philip rivers and it happens in the most crucial situations is that philip rivers has these brain fart games like i i don't I can't put it any simpler than that. Like, he has these games where he will absolutely tank his team's chances of winning. It, like, it, And it was the same case again against uh, the Ravens Saturday night. Like, Phillip Rivers couldn't get out of his own way. And this happened against the Chiefs the week before. I just thought he got over that little bugaboo with the cheesecake and he wasn't going to double down on it with... Uh, uh, miserable, miserable performance uh, you know it, it, it is what it is but you know it, it's just not something that uh, uh, it's uh, uncommon to us it, it's it's happened multiple times throughout Philip Rivers' career where especially in the playoffs he implodes and takes the entire team down with him when he's not playing well it, it just it's one of those bugaboos about Philip Rivers that I always say sometimes you gotta be careful about what you wish for now again, this is not to dismi- uh, diminish what the Ravens were able to do. The Ravens were able to control the clock. Lamar Miller was able, uh, Lamar Jackson, sorry, was able to make some passes down the field. Had a beautiful uh, go route to Mark Andrews, hit him in stride uh, for a touchdown. You know, again, these are the throws that everyone was saying Lamar, uh, Lamar Jackson couldn't make. That I, you know, again, if they were paying attention in college, he made these throws all the time. It's just the fact that in the NFL, the Ravens were being ultra conservative because you know they knew what he did well. They wanted to get him more confident in actually staying in the pocket before having him throw a bunch of passes. And because again, the advantage they have with Lamar Miller, uh, Lamar Jackson, jeez, uh, is the fact that they're tr- they're trying to use his elusiveness to actually uh, cause imbalances in the defense and keep them guessing. That's why they don't have them drop back too often. So, again, you know, is this sustainable? No, I I don't see it as sustainable because eventually he's going to get a big hit and that's going to uh, force them to change things up a bit. But in the interim, you know, Lamar has done an incredible job of avoiding big hits. He's been very elusive. And uh, you know he's been able to use that to his advantage and be shifty. So you know that win forced the hand of the Steelers to actually have to play Juju Smith-Schuster and James uh, 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 Juju Smith-Schuster. James Conner still wasn't uh, healthy enough to go, and that played a big role in this uh, in the game on Sunday because the Steelers drop a game that they have no business dropping. To the Saints, given the way that game went down, I will say this, and I will say it clearly: the NFL has to revisit uh, pass interference call and um, personal foul penalties with some kind uh, with some type of instant replay review or challenge system. It, it is inexcusable in this day and age to have so many important decisions being leveled upon referees making split second decisions that are clearly and obviously wrong. The Saints benefited from not one but two bogus pass interference calls in that game and also an, uh, you know you can call it hand fighting all you want, but the fact of the matter is on the go ahead uh, touchdown by the Saints, Michael Thomas pushed off of Joe Hayden. like Joe Hayden got the shaft three separate occasions in that game yesterday. Wherein the the uh, the play at the goal line to end the first half was not pass interference at all. That was a phantom call. Uh, the referee, uh, like uh, I don't know what the referee was looking at. To be perfectly honest, he wasn't. Uh, you know, it, it's just an inexcusable miss. Uh, this uh, the uh, this uh, the second uh, pass interference call on a fourth and two that would have ended the game, and you know. Pittsburgh picks up the win. You know, Hayden gets called for pass interference. Again, it's a phantom call. There's n- He didn't slingshot uh, or grab him. It's not defensive holding. It certainly wasn't pass interference. You know, it's just a bad call. It's a bad miss. And, you know, again, the Steelers have no recourse but just have to play through it. But, it, you know, in his heart of hearts, like, Mike Tomlin wanted to go off on the officials. He just couldn't do it because... Everyone was second guessing the fake punt call, which I actually didn't have that much of a problem with, because you know the Steelers' defense were showing signs of fatigue in that game, and I think Tomlin sensed that, which is why he went for it on on fourth and four and went with the func- uh, the uh, the fake punt because he thought you know if I give my uh, if I uh, if I give uh, my uh, uh, offense a chance here. We could salt the game away. We're up. We can put this game away and not leave it in the hands of our defense, which is getting tired. I, I completely got the call. It just didn't pan out. And the guy who ran to play for the Steelers clearly did not know where the yardage marker was, which again, that's a bad, that's just more of an execution standpoint than the play call. I don't have an issue with the play call. The execution was what was lacking on the Steelers end, but you know, this talk that I'm hearing from folks of Mike Tomlin needs to get fired. I mean, some of you folks are just crazy. Uh, I mean, I would love for Mike Tomlin to get fired. So the giants could hire him because I would take him in a heartbeat over Pat Schirmer. Not even, a, that's not even a question, uh, as to how good of a coach Mike Tomlin is. So if Steelers fans don't want to appreciate him. Fine. And someone else will like Mike Tomlin will be out of work for less than a week. If he ever got fired by the Steelers Especially after a year like this where the organization as a whole dropped the ball in the Le'Veon Bell situation. If Le'Veon Bell was actually signed by the Steelers, the Steelers easily win this division by two games. And they're in the playoffs with at least 11 wins, in my opinion. It, it's, it, the way some of these games went down for the Steelers, Le'Veon Bell solves a whole bunch of issues. Because the issue the Steelers had yesterday was the fact that they couldn't run the ball down the stretch... And they didn't trust it, so they just left the game in the hands of Big Ben to keep throwing them out of danger. And, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It didn't work yesterday, but it should have because A.B. and Big Ben played a hell of a game, but, you know, if the referees want to put it in their hands, like, they took it away from the Steelers. Like, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, you could say uh, it's it's a little petulant to say the rest cost you the game, but... The truth of the matter was the refs did cost the Steelers the game yesterday. It cost them a touchdown, and it cost them another touchdown at the end of the game. I mean, uh, it, I don't know what else you want me to tell you, but um, Steelers cover, uh, St- Steelers uh, co- uh, covered, uh, but, yeah, you know, it was a 31-28 game, but the Saints had no business winning that game. The, the refs gave the Saints that game with some bad pass interference calls. I'm, I'm not I'm not going to let the refs off the hook for that one. That was, that was a brutally called game. Anyway, uh, moving on, uh, let's uh, – some of the earlier action. I mean, Jacksonville uh, beats Miami 17-7. to I mean, brutal game to watch. Uh, you know, Red Zone was barely on this one for good reason. Uh, n- neither of these teams were interested in playing the game, but, you know, someone had to win it, and Jags defense uh, did get a uh, uh, pick uh, uh, interception return for a touchdown. I mean, it was just a brutal game. It, like that's all there is to say about it so uh likewise for carolina atlanta y- you know uh, atlanta wins 24 10 brutal game to watch uh no one really did anything tevin coleman was an absolute bust uh but julio jones had a big game but yeah it like there were some really bad games on uh yesterday um but um yeah that was one of them the giants had a good game against the colts but you know Andrew Luck uh, pulled it out. I, you know, the Giants' secondary has not been good at all this entire year. I thought that they were uh, likely to get victimized through the ground rather than in the air because I figured the Colts would have been up big enough early that, you know, they wouldn't have needed a rally. But the Colts came out so flat in the first half that, you know, the Giants looked like a, a million bucks. And, you know, again, the issues with the Giants that I said throughout the year is that if the Giants had prioritized fixing the offensive line and knowing that when the preseason was happening and the offensive line still looked as bad as it did, not fixing it right then and there doomed this entire season. And that lies directly on Dave Gettleman's shoulders. Like The Giants season could have been so fundamentally different if they had actually traded for an offensive lineman and gotten rid of Eric Flowers early. There's not a doubt in my mind about that, that the Giants would be a playoff team and potentially win the NFC East if they had just addressed the offensive line right then and there in the preseason, given the fact that they just signed the wrong guys in the offseason. There's not much else to say about that. Soldier they badly overpaid for. Oma May was an utter bust, Uh, but that's all there is to say about that. I mean, Oma May... Uh, got re-signed by the Jags and, uh, you know, got Cody Kessler injured. Um, but, uh, you know, that's all there is to say about that. Uh, let's keep moving on. Um, New England bear, uh, you know, they barely missed covering the game. They, they win 24 to 12. Uh, you know, the Pats just don't look right. They, you know, I, I could say that like they, they, you know, they were, uh, they were efficient in their offense, but the truth of the matter was like, they were still struggling to move the ball against the bills. Like I I got legitimate concerns about new England. If new England has to play a team, uh, you know, if Baltimore gets into the playoffs if they have to play a team like Baltimore, I'm very concerned about the Patriots because I, I'm not sure where the offense is coming from and the defense isn't that great either. So, you know, I don't see anything stand out about the Patriots. I think they're very susceptible to getting knocked out. Uh, now, granted, the Patriots benefited mightily from the Texans blowing it. I mean, blowing it against the Eagles yesterday. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that one next. But, I mean, the Pats have the inside track now to actually get uh, uh, home field advantage uh, uh at least as the number two seed. But, you know, that's just thanks to the Texans blowing it. But uh, the Pats uh, definitely, uh, I I, I got some question marks about the Pats moving forward. They they are ripe for the picking, in my opinion. Whoa, just saw some interesting news pop up here. I'm just looking at it now. Uh, Apparently, Dexter Lawrence, the star defensive tackle for Clemson, just got popped for a drug testing uh, issue. I, I mean, wow! Uh, so yeah, so uh, Trevor Trevor Lawrence uh, fails a drug test days before Clemson scheduled to face Notre Dame in the Cotton Bowl uh, f- as part of the uh, c- uh, college bowl season. I mean, this is huge news. Like, this is the best uh, uh, defensive player Clemson has. And would it actually be a top 10 pick? Uh, I mean, he was projected as a top 10 pick in the draft, at least uh, top uh, 15 to 20. Um, I mean, this is shocking. Uh, I mean, you know, there's there's almost no chance Lawrence actually plays. Uh, I mean, Clemson, uh, yeah, the story says that Clemson's trying to appeal, but there's no way they're going to get an appeal done before Saturday. Uh it's very convenient timing for Notre Dame. Not that I'm going to go full conspiracy route, but um, yeah, that that's that's major news. I, I mean, there, there's there's no uh, no if, ands, or buts. Uh, uh, I'm just trying to see what what did they get popped for? Um, yeah, so they, they're saying that they had a sliver of a substance called Osterine and their samples, which is, uh, a supplement that enhances, uh, muscle growth. So, um, you know, it, it is on WADA's, uh, list of prohibited substances. Um, and it's, uh, in addition to Lawrence, it's two other players. So, you know, something's going on. Um, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not disputing the fact that they may have been doing something illegal. I am finding it curious that it only got caught now. Now, the uh, you know in, in this case there, there's a, there's only a chance where like any of those losses would have been vacated anyway, but um very very interesting developments here because uh, that definitely impacts the bowl game uh, which uh, I'll I'll definitely be getting to later in the week uh, talking about some of these uh, big bowl games that are coming up uh, ahead of New Year's Day but um. Yeah, so yeah, big news uh, in college football with uh, uh, with Clemson losing uh, a major major impact player ahead of their matchup against Notre Dame. I mean, that gives the Irish a chance to run, run the ball up the middle and uh, definitely uh, negate negates a lot of the pass rush Clemson has. Uh, so more to come. I, I, I'm I'm very curious to see how the lines going to shift because. Uh, uh, you know Clemson was a heavy favorite against uh, Notre Dame uh there's uh and deservedly so. They Clemson is still the better team uh, but that, that 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 definitely uh that definitely uh makes things uh, uh interesting from uh from from the standpoint of who who's going to win the game because I I can I can I can give Notre Dame more of a chance now than ever before, uh, but uh, I mean Clemson was an eleven and a half point favorite, but I wouldn't be shocked if this news causes that line to drop to seven and a half. I think it's that much of a shift where they they can actually um, they 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 can uh, Vegas can definitely move that line down. So uh, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. All right, so uh, let's get back to it with the NFL action. Um, I talked; uh, I, I was alluding to this before. Uh, the way Houston lost this game to Philly is embarrassing. Uh, you know, Nick Foles is a, as I, I, I keep saying this, is a very limited QB that really only functions well in a vertical passing game. You have to get in his throwing lanes. You have to get pressure on him. The fact that Philly... Couldn't run the ball, and Houston was unable to get pressure on Nick Foles when they have Jadavian Clowney and J.J. Watt is inexcusable. I don't care whose fault it is uh, between J.J. Watt and Jadavian Clowney. They need to take a hard look in the mirror and figure out why they can't get a decent pass rush because there's no way Nick Foles should have been able to light him up for over 400 yards passing. Uh, you know the secondary was bad in Houston. Uh, the Houston secondary was not good yesterday playing on the road in Philly, but the fact that the pass rush was literally non-existent. I was watching that game in the fourth quarter. The pass rush was not getting to Nick Foles. He had all day to figure out who he wanted to target down the field. Like there, there, there was, yeah, there were some double teams being done, but like the other guys got to be able to do, get the job done. You can't double team both teams. JJ Watt and Jadavian Clowney. Someone's gotta get home. They, like there's no ifs, ands, or buts. And I said this before about Houston. They remind me of a uh, just a collection of perennial pretenders with Deshaun Watson. Like Deshaun Watson, he's gold. Deshaun Watson is the only reason why I give Houston a shot in anything. But some of these other guys, uh uh-uh. uh. Uh uh. Like that was just pitiful that I saw out of Texas and they gave home field advantage right to the Pats, gave it right to them. I mean, Houston had it right there for the taking to actually have home field advantage in the playoffs as the number two seed. And they gave it right back to the Pats. You know, it, it's just one of those where you're just like, you shake your head because again, you know, I, I, I just, I, I don't know what else you can say. Like the Pats, now, because of what happened with Kansas City and uh, Houston, the Pats are, are, you know, as weak as they are this year. They're they're sitting in a they're sitting in a spot where you know, one more loss by the Chiefs, the Pats going to get home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Like the Chiefs could drop a game to the Raiders next uh, week. I'm not say, saying it's going to happen. But the uh, the Chiefs defense is playing so sh- shabbily right now that it's entirely possible that if for any reason, you know, the Chiefs uh, get injured uh, or, or have another injury and they decided to just kind of rest some players to make sure that they don't actually uh, pick up any major injuries before uh, the playoffs, There's a chance they could give up home field advantage uh, throughout the playoffs to the Pats. Now, I know the Chiefs are not going to do that because the Chargers are right on their uh, tail and they know better than to uh, even consider resting starters. But, you know, it's still not a good look for the Chiefs. And, you know, the Texans, as I said completely blown opportunity. They had the perfect opportunity to lock up the number two seed with the chance of getting the overall home field advantage throughout the playoffs in the AFC. You know, it's just, you know, I, I, I I just don't get it with this Texans team. I, you know, at some point you think the light switch is going to flip on for these guys, but you know, they, they just keep blowing opportunity after opportunity. And I don't think they're ever gonna reach that pinnacle to get over the hump and become that uh that that playoff team that makes a deep run to the Super Bowl that f- folks keep saying that they're gonna be. Maybe Deshaun Watson can carry them to Super Bowl, but I, I don't know. I have severe doubts about that. So in some of the other action that happened, uh, you know, Green Bay like won it overtime against the Jets. Uh, the Jets should have won this game. I, I still don't think Green Bay tied that game up at, at the end of regulation. I, I still think uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers got stopped at the goal line, but, you know, no one cares about this game, so I, I'm not going to dwell on it. Uh, Cleveland beat Cincinnati uh, barely, uh, in my opinion. You know, the game was closer than the score indicated. I know Cincinnati got a garbage touchdown at the end, uh uh, but re- realistically, this was actually a, a tighter game in the first half. Uh, but the limitations that the Bengals have because of the injuries are are what's at play here. You know, Cleveland did not, you know, for all the mean-mugging Baker Mayfield did, you know, Cleveland's game plan to beat the Bengals should have been to run Nick Chubb uh, and just smash uh, the Bengals. But, you know... Cleveland just kept dialing up pass plays to like, they were trying to throw, have Baker throw for six touchdowns and it backfired. Cause they made that game a lot closer than it had any right to be. Um, but you know, Baker Mayfield staring down Hugh Jackson, like he, you know, he's doing his thing, you know, but what goes around comes around. Like uh, I always say like, you know, you're only as good as your last game sometimes. And, uh, you know, Folks are always going to find reasons to nitpick, so uh, Baker's just got to be re- ready to take the receiving end when it's, it comes his turn to take that L, because it's going to happen sooner or later. Y- you know, Hugh Jackson is a stepping stone, but ba- Baker, if he really wants to become an ep- echelon QB, can't be that petty. Y- you just can't be that petty. That, I'm, that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, Dallas almost blew the game against Tampa Bay, but they got the win. Uh, Jameis Winston made a horrendous turnover fumbling the ball, which was returned by Jalen Smith for a touchdown. Um, you know, I still always get mad about Jalen Smith, seeing him in the Cowboys uniform when so many other teams, including the Giants could have actually traded, uh, uh, traded into the second round to grab him, even though he was injured. Like it was, it was easily, uh, an investment for the future that, jerry jones got i don't understand like you know i i I struggle sometimes with some of these nfl gms who say they're so smart because everyone knew that jalen smith was a first round pick before he injured his knee at michigan and yet still everyone treated him like a pariah once the injury news came out and let him fall in the draft as far as he did it was inexcusable but you know it's not It's not the first time it's happened in the NFL draft. It won't be the last time, sadly. But, um, you know, the Cowboys got their win. Dak, again, not very impressive. But, you know, they got Ezekiel Elliott. And, you know, teams are double-teaming Amari Cooper. And uh, he didn't respond well. Again, like, when Amari Cooper gets double-teamed, he's he gets shut down. Uh, he has not been able to break a double-team yet so far this season. But when you double team him, it does leave opportunities for Zeke to gash you. So I, I'm I'm curious to see how it, it goes. It, like if a team can tackle well against Dallas, they don't have an answer. Because again, while Amari Cooper can draw a double team, I don't think these other receivers can beat uh, guys consistently one-on-one. So I still think at the end of the day, it comes down to whether or not Dallas can run the football against your squad even if you load up the box and double team on the outside. So we're going to see. Uh, I I definitely think that uh, that matchup against Seattle is death for uh, uh, Dallas. I I don't think they can beat uh, Seattle, but we're going to see. It'll be an interesting matchup for sure. Now that the Seahawks locked up the number number five seed and Dallas is all but uh, locked into that number four seed. So, um, we're, we're, we will see soon enough. I, I don't I don't think the uh, Cowboys can actually beat the Seahawks but we're gonna see in a couple of weeks now uh, because that's the most likely matchup. Uh, the Bears took care of business against the 49ers even though it didn't look pretty. same thing for the Vikings against the Lions. the Vikings have a chance to make the playoffs Still uh, I mean uh, Philly didn't lose but it, so it's, it's down to, Philly and um, Minnesota for that uh, sixth and final playoff spot in the NFC. Uh, If I were being perfectly honest, neither one of these teams really comes across as one that would actually do any damage in the playoffs. So I still think that the the bears uh, would be perfectly fine taking care of business against Minnesota or uh, Minnesota or Philly. So, uh, you know, whoever wins that last playoff spot, you know, I, I think it's a, it's, it's a moot story regardless. Um, the Rams girly didn't play, uh, didn't matter. CJ Anderson literally came off the street and ran for a buck 60 against the Cardinals. Everyone on the Cardinals is getting fired. <laughs> it's like, uh, it, it is so painfully obvious. Everyone on the Cardinals is getting fired. Um, poor Larry Fitzgerald has to retire to that, uh, But the only thing I could say about that is, like, the good thing about Larry Fitzgerald retiring after a brilliant NFL career um, is the fact that he won't have to deal with this dumpster fire of a franchise uh, every Sunday moving forward. At least he can just show up for uh, celebrity appearances every now and then. But, man, what a waste of a Hall of Fame career by a single franchise. Uh, You know... Larry Legend deserved so much better than what he got from the Arizona Cardinals. It's not even funny. Um, But, uh, yeah. So, uh, the Sunday night game, I alluded to it. uh, Seattle won. And, again, this was nothing against Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes made the throw of the year uh, to Charkandrick West for a touchdown. Uh, You know, I, I can't really describe the sidearm motion he used just... Just look at it on YouTube uh, when you get a chance. You'll see what I mean. It's the throw of the year, uh, without question, by the league MVP. If they try to screw uh, Mahomes out of it, uh, you know I, I, I don't know what to say to you folks. You know, three touchdowns again, almost 300 yards passing against a very good Seattle secondary. He played extremely well against a very good defense. The problem with the Chiefs is the fact that. They can't stop anyone. Seattle had their way the entire game. They could run the football, and they could play action on uh, the Chiefs. The Chiefs just do not have any awareness in the secondary. And like I said, if the Chiefs don't sign DJ Swearinger, you know I I don't I don't understand some of these teams. Like DJ Swearinger absolutely needs to be signed by Seattle because they're so inept at so many as. Uh, I mean, by the Chiefs, like, Kansas City is so inept at uh, so many different aspects of coverage schemes. You know, even with Eric Berry healthy, they're still horrendous. Uh, You know, Swearinger can at least help some aspects. of You know, he ain't going to cover up everything, but at least he'll cover up some of the warts. Like, Kansas City desperately needs to sign somebody else. Even if it is someone off the street, like anybody else, like uh, I, I don't know who number thirty-five was on the Chiefs, uh, but whoever it was needs to go into what this protection because they went after him every time. Like just flip your numbers so you become fifty-three instead of uh, thirty-five. Uh, I, like whatever you do, just like change, just change everything. Like change, uh, change your name even because like as long as guys can spot you, you can't cover anyone. <laughs> it's like. Uh, Th- th- there, there are certain times guys have bad days in the office. Uh, that guy just like w- looked like the Nathan Peterman of cornerbacks. Uh, I'll be perfectly blunt. Uh, he just could not cover anyone. So, anyway, uh, with that being said, uh, let me just make some picks for tonight's game, which will be absolutely dreadful, no doubt. But hopefully, there's a glimmer of hope that we get an entertaining. Finale for Monday Night Football between the Broncos and the Raiders. You know, uh, with this matchup, uh, like I said, the story's out that Vance Joseph's getting fired. So, it, it depends on what's, uh, like, how the Broncos players really feel. If, if they're glad that Vance is getting fired, or if they're uh, just kind of looking to see what they can do to look good on tape for the next head coach. So I think the Broncos actually show up for this one. The only other thing that I think happens here, though, is that with the Raiders basically having to leave town, I think the Raiders actually show up for the final home finale. At least Derek Carr will. Because Derek Carr genuinely cares about the people of Oakland. I I, I get that sentiment from him. I think Derek Carr himself will actually play well. If some of his teammates show up, that gives me a little bit more confidence in playing uh, some more Raiders. But in terms of showdown formats on uh, DraftKings and FanDuel, I'm definitely playing Derek Carr tonight. I would definitely play Deshaun Hamilton of the Broncos. Now, the guy I'm thinking of fading is actually Philip Lindsay, And the only reason why I say that is that unless I'm paying, uh, playing Philip Lindsay in the captain spot or an MVP spot between DraftKings and FanDuel, it doesn't make sense playing uh, paying the premium for Lindsay and putting him in the flex. The reason being is that Lindsay is going to be the most popular play by every single DFS player, at least uh, regular DFS player, uh, in this game tonight. So, in order to win a tournament, there's no way to actually win it, in my opinion, with at, uh, the as the captain or MVP because you're going to end up splitting it with no less than 30 to 40 people, which, you know, yeah, it's a jackpot, but, you know, you, you kind of want some more of it to yourself. So I, I just think that there are other ways of getting there, and I, and I just look at it as, like, you know, if the Broncos decide to pass it in the red zone instead of running it, there's there's definitely opportunities for guys like Deshaun Hamilton, Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton, some of those guys, uh, Broncos receivers, to get that uh, that touchdown in the end zone. So, like I said, I'm thinking of fading uh, Philip Lindsay. Uh, maybe play Royce Freeman uh, in case he gets a vulture TD uh, with uh, the the uh, smaller, much much smaller salary than Philip Lindsay. And you never know what happens with games like these. Like the game script can flip on a dime. But that, that that's where my thought process is. Uh, in terms of um, DFS lineups, now for those of you who still have players going in your f- uh, fantasy final, yeah, um, best of luck. I really don't know what else to say because even I have uh, Denver defense going because I, I, you know, part of me thought that, uh, uh, you know, with uh, Dave, uh, Derek Carr playing, that his team could easily quit on him and he gets used as a pinata, but you know, it could, it could go the, it could go the entirely opposite direction too. The, you know, again, it, it is a bit of a coin flip game, but uh, you know, I trust Von Miller to show up tonight and uh, add on a few more sacks to his total. We'll see if the rest of the defense shows up for the Broncos, but uh, you know, just hoping for a decent game. Cause there's not much else on in terms of the world of sports. Uh, it is Christmas Eve after all folks. So, uh, with that being said, uh, wish you all a happy holiday, uh, bet, uh, best of everything. Hopefully, you get to spend some time with your family. Uh, thank you again for taking your time out of your day to listen to the podcast. But, um, uh, you know, hopefully you guys glean some insight for your fantasy football season and definitely more to come in the world of sports because we got to get into it uh, with the NBA. So, uh, I'll try to see if I can uh, put, whip up, a uh, NBA DFS lineup, uh, tomorrow on Christmas day before the games start at noon. So it'll be, uh, it'll be an early wake up for me, uh, to talk about it, but, uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, maybe it works out and maybe it doesn't, but, uh, uh, wish you all the best and, uh, uh, we'll, we'll get back to it soon enough. Take it easy folks.